0: What I'm trying to do, you know, when I thought about us doing something around the atonement, at first I was thinking, oh, well, let's try to actually just go through and just theologically look at all the different verses and talk about the atonement. What I've decided to do, is, you can see, is for us to really use Isaiah 53 as a way for us to sort of go through these areas of the atonement, not saying we're trying to be exhaustive in any sense. Um, I'm just sort of amazed myself at how much is written about Isaiah 53 and about the atonement. There's just so much. Hmm. Um, And so just trying to get a grasp of it, it's like there's just too much. And so I'm like, let's just sort of focus on Isaiah 53 and look at the different ways it's bringing out this stuff around the atonement. So what we started with last week, and I'm going to continue now, is looking at the area of sacrifice as it's related to the atonement. Okay, then I want to look at the area, if we pick up at all tonight, I want to look at the area of substitution. All right. And again, these are the things, that you remember last week I read you that quote where the guy was talking about how Isaiah 53 is sort of like the, I don't know what word to use, but sort of the crux between the Jewish faith and the Christian faith
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how it's looked at and how it's interpreted. Um, and that's what's interesting here as we look at this, you know, things like sacrifice, No way would the Jews ever look and say that the son, well, any human, (laughs) let alone God, let alone the Messiah, would ever be sacrificed. And we're going to find out about the substitution. And we're going to find out about about punishment. (laughs) Alright, so there's all these different areas of the atonement that are coming out here. And it's like all of a sudden for the Israelites, for the Jews, the look at this going... Well, Isaiah 53, well, we're going to have to do some stuff with it, okay? Which is, like I said last week, a lot of what they're doing is trying to say, when you get to things about, you know, like you said about the worm, okay? Um, Remember, in Isaiah 53, the word worm was used as a description of of Israel. So Israel, Jews will mostly take these descriptions of suffering and all that and say, that was not the Messiah. That was Israel who's going through that, um, where we know because of the New Testament, the New Testament is very explicit, when you're being described in Isaiah 53, is a Messiah who is Jesus the Christ, um, which we saw several weeks ago when we looked at some of those passages. So,
1: yeah.
0: All right. Um, so, open up, you can open up to this guy. Um just look at our past, back at our passage here. So, we started last week, and Pete actually noted something. So, what I'm looking for in this first reading is to see how sacrificial language is used in Isaiah 53. So, if you remember, the word atonement is actually a word which occurs frequently in the Old Testament. Anybody remember the Hebrew word for atonement? Kephar. Yeah, okay. Kephar, Kephar, it's it's, it's some different terms there. But you actually will see a lot in Leviticus the term atonement used. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, What you won't see is that term used in Isaiah 53. But what we will see as we start going through is how a lot of the language of sacrifice is embedded within Isaiah 53. Okay, that's of what I want to look at a little bit tonight. So last week, one of the things that I pointed out, when um, we can look at it now, is if you look at Isaiah, so sort of you can sort of have this opened, and your Bible is done. Um, so if you go to, so if you look at verse 14, it says in 52.14, it says, as many were astonished at you, okay, going back to this look again, how this servant looked, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. Now that word marred in Hebrew is very, very, very rarely used in the Old Testament. Okay. Um, and I'm going to show you one place where it is used. Okay, so if you're a Jew and you're reading this and you read that word "marred," it's going to take you back to Leviticus 22:25. So just turn there for a second. In fact, you might as well just keep your finger on Leviticus because there will be a lot 22, of 25? Leviticus 22:25. 22, 22, just want to sort of show you something. This is where Pete made a comment last week. Um, so. Leviticus 22, 25, I'll pick up at um, 24. It's talking about the types of what kind of animal you bring for sacrifice. All right? So, for example, I'll go back to, well, no, let's go back, actually, I'll go back to, like, 20. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish. All right? So if you're going to offer something for sacrifice in this case that they're dealing with here, it shall not be anything with a blemish at all, for it will not be acceptable to you. And when anyone offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill a vow or as a freewill offering from a herd or from its flock to be accepted, it must be perfect. All right. And when you think of that, well, now let me keep reading, there shall be no blemish in it. Again, you're thinking of the outside look. Animals blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge or an itch or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord. Thankfully, probably us, you know, we don't have to worry about <laughs> being sacrificed. I know I've got kind of all over me. Um, give to the Lord as a food offering at the altar. You may present a bowl or lamb that has... You may not, you may present a bull or a lamb that has a part too long or too short for a free will offering, but for a vow offering, it cannot be accepted. Any animal that has testicles bruised or crushed or torn or cut, you shall not offer to the Lord. You shall not do it within your land, neither shall you offer it as a, as the bread of your God, any such animals gotten from a corner. Then this language here, since there is a blemish in them, Because of their mutilation, they will not be accepted for you. What's just of interest is that that word "marred" that's being used here, that we know ultimately is of Jesus, is the word here being used for blemish. I say that because we know that Jesus was sinless. All right, right? I mean, that's why he could be offered ultimately as a sacrifice, because he was without sin. It's just interesting, though, that in this, you're talking about his appearance. And it's almost like if I was going to be reading that as a Jew, whoever is being described here, his appearance is so marred, the fact that they choose the word marred, the same Hebrew word as blemish, would say this person, this you're so disfigured that if you are an animal, you can never be offered as a sacrifice. Okay, But we know that Jesus was offered as a sacrifice. So there's a little bit of, I don't know if you call it irony, but you think about what Jesus went through in the cross. The very fact of what he went through in the cross would even more so, I think, as a Jew or someone in those days go, there's no way you could even think that this could be any kind of a sacrifice because this person's so disfigured. So it was even to come into your mind. Um, so anyway, it's just sort of, there you have right there the first sort of, Notice of sacrificial language being embedded in this Isaiah 53 passage here. Um, did,
2: did the Levites actually monitor that? I would. Well,
3: yeah. We, so, yeah, so yeah, yeah, in yeah. Did, one of the reasons why Jesus was flipping tables in the temples, and he said, "You have made my my you know it's supposed to be a house lots of prayer, and you made it into like a den of thieves, right?" The reason why they were exchanging money and doing that is because people would bring their animals, mm. and then the the priests would be sitting there, and they'd say, oh, your animal's not good enough. You need to buy this animal that we have, mm. and then we're wow. going to charge you way more. Wow. Right? Yeah. Because we're going to find some fault with your animal.
0: Mm.
3: And so they're just, kind of, they're just ripping them off. Right? So that was one of Jesus' big beef. These people are bringing good animals, but they're... They're ripping them off because they're just saying, oh, look, there's a, the, you know, piece of dirt on it. No, you can't use that one. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have to buy our animal. Yes. Shows, we well, these sell these you are, at a higher price. Are, yeah, these are approved by the priests and we've checked them already and they're halal and kosher. So yeah, but
0: they cost more because, you know, Good you're pieces, here. Right? Yeah. So it reminds me of what Martin Luther did 500 years ago when Again, the Catholic Church was just, you know, making all these people pay money who had no money and selling Mm -hmm. everything to get their stuff for heaven, you know, and just, again, using God's temple as a place to make money and greed rather than Mm honoring Lord. Defiling the temple. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, so there's one. We just start getting a little like, okay, we're using language that comes back from the Old Testament. But then... We go to verse 15. So notice the language here. This Messiah. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Sort of a weird word to use. Shall he sprinkle many nations. Alright? Like, what does that even mean? Okay? Again, that Hebrew word has a very specific meaning. Okay, that is again used very specifically. And I want to sort of show you where it's used. Not a whole lot in the Old Testament. So you can see Isaiah, through the inspiration of God speaking to him, he's speaking this stuff to the, you know, in, in Isaiah, creating Isaiah 53, and you're just, he's getting this picture of the Messiah, which he's not even know about until, you know, whatever, so much longer away. So, so he shall sprinkle. Anybody know where that comes from? Sacrifice. Yeah, what? No, it's in the book of Leviticus also. Yeah, and Leviticus. Do you remember reading anybody you read Leviticus? Okay. Anybody remember where it was on that, I in Leviticus? Four, it's 14, 16. 15. Yeah, exactly. So turn to Leviticus 16. At Leviticus 16, that I had you read, if you read it last week, this whole area of Leviticus 16 is the Day of Atonement. All right, so it's actually called the Day of Atonement, um, which ultimately we know Christ is going to be that atonement. Um, and so if you take a look, we could read all the way through Isaiah 16. I'm going to do that right now. But, um, so if you look at 16, all right, let's, let's pick up at 1611. All right, um, so Aaron shall present. So the day of atonement happens, if I get it right, people correct me if I don't. Once a year, okay, mm-hmm. where you're offering all of these sins that you could not, you didn't offer on a daily basis that were these sins that are even above serve and beyond. Aaron shall present the bowl as a sin offering for himself. And shall, and here you have it, and it shall make atonement. That's that like kefir, keeper, kefir again. So there you have the word. He will make atonement for himself and for his house. So notice how Aaron, who is a priest, makes atonement not just for himself, but he's making it for the whole house, ultimately, life of Israel. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself. And he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of sweet incense, beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord. That the cloud of the incense, okay. So listen to this. That the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. Um, hmm. This actually reminds me of the Isaiah six description. It, it
3: does. That's yeah, exactly with the what it I sure. the sac- you know, yeah. to. Got the, it. The coals from the
0: sacrifice, and they were. Because that was part of it, bringing the coal yeah. and the incense and the smoke. And, that. and you've got a lot of the same language here. Yeah. Because if you remember in Isaiah 6, 7, you actually have the word atonement.
1: Mm-hmm. That,
0: yes. is, that Isaiah's sins are atoned for. So you see, and it says, and he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat. On the east side, in the front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Okay, little lesson here. What's the mercy, mercy seat? Where God hangs out. <laughs> Excellent way of putting it, Bill. Yeah. Where God yeah. hangs
1: out. The mercy seat. It's, it's right there. It's the, right. Uh, where it is there? The seraphim come together. The, in Indiana bridge. Jones, you guys go it's home watching the Ark. ark. <laughs> the top, yeah, yeah, the the top of the Ark. Right.
0: With the exactly. Angels. So you got the top of the Ark. Mm-hmm. You have, have two seraphims. Two Again. Yeah. And what's inside the Ark? The
3: mm-hmm. tablets. The um, yeah, I mean, rod, the staff, yeah,
1: manna. Yeah, right. manna oh, yeah.
0: um, so you have on top of it this mercy seat. Thing. Maybe. Yeah. And who sits on the mercy seat? God. 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 Sure. Okay, so the mercy seat represents literally, and for them, when that the priest, the, the high priest, would go into the Holy of Holies which is all these different chambers you go through, you get to the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant. And when he's here making these sacrifices, he's taking this blood, and he's sprinkling it on God, offering to atone for the people's sins. And it's only once a year. Yes. So you notice what's happening here. In the language. And so, in in 15, And so he, which we now know is Jesus, shall sprinkle many nations. So what do you think that means? So what, we're using that same language of what's happening there. Now we have Jesus, who we know is the ultimate one, who's a servant here. He will sprinkle many nations.
1: Oh, for the whole world. He's the atonement for oh, yeah. yeah. everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Gentile or Jew. Yeah. And everything in between. It's, yeah, it's, it speaks of the sacrifice for sure. In 17:6, it says,
2: "And the priests shall sprinkle the blood on the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and yeah. burn the fat foot. So yeah, it's definitely sacrifice. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: So you see here now, you have this language again. And whether, it's, whether it's
3: the priest or the sacrifice. That's right. Right. And Jesus is the high priest. Right. And the sacrifice. <laughs> right. Very good. <laughs> and that's
0: exactly what Jesus says we see in Isaiah 53. He's going to be both. All right. He's going to be the sacrifice and the one that making the sacrifice and the Lord, okay, who ultimately accepts that sacrifice. All right. As we go through all. So even here, you just see where people, and even the Jews, would argue and say, "Well, again, this isn't, this can't be the Messiah, okay?" And yet you see here this, this, this the Messiah is making, in a sense, here atonement for all these nations. It's going to atone for all these nations. Yeah,
2: the right of atonement.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's just fascinating as I looked at it and I go, "Wow!" You just see all these little. Connections to so trying to get an idea. Yeah.
2: So he's God and man, he's suffering as man, as he's suffering as God too?
0: Yes. <laughs> I guess I would say well he is God who takes upon himself so what's fascinating about the way that these sacrifices worked is the priest represented Taking upon as they would take offerings and they would make they would make sacrifices and stuff, they are themselves acting as priest as priest, as God accepting that sacrifice. Alright. They're they're representing the nation to God.
3: Like they are singularly, the, people, they are singularly right. the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement is representing the people. The priest himself is representing the entire nation in front of God. Yeah, one time.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. But that was Good. their sustenance as well. Right. They're, oh, you mean as far as food? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mean as far as the sacrifices? Well, they didn't work. Their doing this to represent. So, right. Their yeah. Sacrifices is how they got by. And the Jews do. They knew at this time this is something they have to constantly do. Right. I mean, there was never like a once for all. There was there was, there was seven like major place.
3: feasts yeah. throughout the year. And then other like free will offerings, and right. you know other stuff. Like
2: yeah. Do you find yourself when you read in Leviticus this whole announcement of sacrifice and atonement? Mm-hmm. I mean, does that strike you as fascinating and question worthy?
0: Well, in, in what well way? I mean, the whole thing does in the sense that you now realize the whole. Idea of what's going on with Leviticus as what's ultimately going to be.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's just like Joseph. Like it's just a, a, it's a prophecy in action. Absolutely right. But but at the same time, that it explains why the blood. I, I yeah, get that well, from a lot of people that are that are secular and other, the whole like oh the whole blood thing the whole sacrifice all that nonsense that, that can't be right that's all pagan weird stuff right how are you guys better than all these pagan religions that are doing the same thing right so all oh, what's so critical about that understanding if, when I was reading this it was like okay we, we got to understand the sacrifice. Component of it in the blood. And God tells Moses, the life is in the blood.
0: Yeah, which is exactly what it says in the 17. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. That's right. There you have the whole thing sort of wrapped up right there. That's right. It and has to it be blood.
2: If we don't understand that, so read that again the blood of the atonement. And what was but yes, it's
0: very interesting how it says it. Um, for the life of the, this is, um, Leviticus 17, 11, this is sort of the key verse about this whole part here about blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. So we know that, right? Yep. Okay. This is why you're not allowed to eat blood. <laughs> All right. Why that's there. It's against and Levitical law Why laws it. drink blood? <laughs> okay. okay. And I have given it for you on the altar, the blood, to make atonement for your souls. So the life is in the blood. The blood is offered on the altar to atone for your sins. For it is in the blood that makes atonement by the life. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is the life. Right. <laughs> so you see how just in this whole idea of sacrifice but the fascinating thing about sacrifice here, biblically is why is there a sacrifice? I mean, other religions might think they're sacrificed because you have to appease the gods. Right? Just to try to make the gods happy. That's why you make human sacrifices, other sacrifices you try to make the gods happy. Why are they making sacrifice? Why is God having them do all this. That's the other part that's fascinating,
2: right? Well, the pagans know, they know inherently that uh, it's a very, very
3: important thing, but it's just twisted. They know life is in the blood inherently. Maybe they don't know it medically or scientifically, but
0: they know that they're trying to appease yeah. something, and it's just twisted because they have no knowledge. Right. That, right. But why? What is the Bible? What's the point here of? What what what's the sacrifices for? The atonement of sin. Yes. Right. So that they can maintain their relationship that. with God. Right. <laughs> okay. This is what's so key. It's important to remember why are we doing these sacrifices? Okay, it's not to appease the gods, but it's doing good. the sacrifices because we are humans that are in sin and we are separated from God. The whole point of the sacrificial system is not to so much appease God, per se. It's to set everything back right, which is what we're going to find out at the very end of everything. It is things are out of whack because of human sin. And the reason why we do this is to set things back. That's why we see the word peace in here. To set things right. I mean, that's things... Righteousness, the word for righteousness means that things are set right. Mm-hmm. It's like um, you know I don't know I don't, works pottery or whatever yeah. but if something's not right, it's out of whack it doesn't work. Right? We all know what it, <laughs> whether it's an engine or something else if it's out of whack, it won't work it's Okay? It's like you with your little flying illustration you know when he was flying, you were flying mm-hmm. jets right? And he was talking about how you're just off just this little teeny bit alright? And your, your sight, your GPS, where you're going and if you're off just a slight bit within a 100 miles, you're, like, way off. All right? You have to constantly keep things set right. You're going down the highway, PCH, okay? <laughs> Take your eyes off, you know, for a second. All right? Try to turn. You know, you, you, all of a sudden. Bam. Yeah. So, so the, the question is,
2: how does this process set things right? Which. And, and why does it come into play after Aaron's sons just walk in the Holy of Holies whenever, you know, and they just hey, let's go check it out. So, bam! Right? How does that process and the specific protocol that he gives them put, put it all right? That's, that's what I'm going, okay. So, the purpose for this is to have the people understand what the relationship structure is. And who they are
0: and how it works. And who's their Lord. That's right. Who gives life? Yeah. And 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 who
2: wants to sacrifice an incredibly valuable animal like that? It's like, hey, you're going to just remember what's really valuable.
0: Yeah. It's a high stakes collateral. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Eric. But
2: wasn't this also corrupted by the fact that the Pharisees and Sadducees set the
0: rules? Well, that's later on in Jesus' time.
1: True.
0: Um, I mean, yeah, they, well, yeah, eventually, sure. They, that's what, it goes back to what Pete was saying, okay, that the whole system got corrupted. Right. Okay, I mean, just like then, thousands of years <laughs> later, you had the Reformation happen because yeah. the whole church was corrupted again. By the time we get, right? to,
2: time we get to Isaiah, they're, God's saying, Forget it. You guys are you're making me want to vomit.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because so, back in Isaiah one eleven it says, "What to me is this multitude of sacrifices?" Said the Lord, "I have enough of burnt offerings of rams and yeah. rams." Out of, You know, it's like, and, and and I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. So it's it's not like, hey, just do this is this is magically makes everything okay. It's right. like a very simple equation. Yeah. Kill an animal in this
0: specific fashion, and then go off and treat, yeah. you know
3: other people. Bad. Or it's not. Bad. It's just. It's it's symbolic. It's a typology. It's pointing to Christ, like like many other things. I give these things as a sign and a symbol to, you know, to, to mark the days and, and the hours and, and the times and the seasons,
0: and you know,
3: they it all. Well, you points,
1: know blood all represents, represents life. Right. Blood, blood is life. Blood is life. That's sort of what it says there. Blood, okay, is, blood life. is life. Blood is life. And, of course, sin represents death. And so there's death and there's life. So the sprinkling of blood or the shedding of blood, uh, I don't want It's almost like you give blood at a blood bank, you know, to help other people live. But, I mean, that's a stupid analogy there. But I'm just... The blood of Christ It's his blood that gave life to all of us that are sinners, you know just, the, it has to be through the blood. The blood represents life. So what right. you're saying is simple. Yeah. Okay, so moving that Keep going. We're,
0: we're going to get through this first round. So, now I want you to go down to verse 4. Okay, so there's a bunch of stuff that... we am going to skip it. Hmm? Right I said 53 oh, or 4. four. I, see it. I want just to sort of skip along and point out sacrif- sacrificial language here again. So, if you look at verse four, I want you to notice that it says, "Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sor- sorrows; yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted." All right. Do you see that word born? He has borne our griefs. All right. Born is the word in Hebrew, "nasa." I'm just going. It's NASA, so you think of NASA spaceship, <laughs> okay? But it's the word NASA, uh, and I'm going to have you just turn to see how that's used in sex So if you turn to Leviticus 10:17, we're all learning about sacrificialism so here a little bit. So 10, I think 10:17, all right? 10:17. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> And again, like if you were talking, I don't know, it would be interesting like, to have a, someone, an Orthodox Jew come in or something and sort of have this discussion, but you're talking about to an Orthodox Jew, they would pick up on all, they would pick up to some of the language, all right, because again, this is stuff very familiar as far as language is used around the sacrificial system. So, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our, our sorrows. So, that word nasa, which is going to be key as we keep looking on. if you look at verse 17, well, I'll start at 16, it says, Now Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, uh, the surviving sons of Aaron. Of course, I'm not going to get into that whole story, but we'll just see what happens. He says, Why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary? Since it is the thing most holy and has been given to you, that you sh- may bear the iniquity of the congregation to make atonement for them before the Lord. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that the priests would do in many of these offerings is the food that was being sacrificed and burned up was eaten.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay?
0: I mean, so you had a pretty good if you were a priest. <laughs> you, meat was very, actually, even... Um, in, into Israel, meat was something always very rare. You know, it was very, very much looked at as something that was used for, um, for offerings. Okay, And so here, you have, it says, why, um, why have you not eaten the sin offering? The priest was supposed to have eaten that offering. That eating of that offering, in this case, was also showing that he was then taking that sin, Okay. As hmm. almost like the Lord and, and offering, as an of offering for it, okay? Oh. So that was the eating of it. It's, it's almost, it just occurred to me, I don't know if it's like this or not. Wow. It's almost like how you notice that the priest of the Catholic Church, at the very end, takes the rest of the wine
1: mm-hmm.
0: and drinks it, okay? Um, so, Moses says, we have not eaten the sin offering in this place, since it's the thing most holy has been given to you, that you may... Bear the iniquity of the congregation. That word bear the iniquity is a word NASA. <laughs> it is exactly the same word that's being used in Isaiah 53. So again, you see this sacrificial language. So what is this servant going to do? He's going to do something where he's like, he's performing a sacrifice. Or he is the sacrifice, <laughs> is what you see starting to come out here. Okay? Um, so that's another piece that gets. That, that you start seeing this language, and then if you jump to verse six, Isaiah fifty three six, it says, "All we like sheep have gone astray." You know, many of us know this. This is one of those verses you do people do memorize. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Okay, so here's a question for you. Anybody know does that sound familiar to you at all about laying the iniquity on something, laying the guilt on something? The scapegoat. Very good. The scapegoat. Have you guys heard about the scapegoat? Mm, the scapegoat. That's right. Tell me without looking, what's what's the whole idea of the scapegoat? Anybody remember what The Devil made me do it. <laughs>
1: That's why we're wearing a scapegoat, (laughs) right?
0: (laughs) Well, what is a scapegoat? Anybody know it's a
1: very specific thing that happens
0: in the Levitical system, where they they send the goat out out into 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 the desert. desert. It's what?
2: Where they send the goat out into the desert carrying everybody's sins.
0: Excellent. You hear that? All right. So there's a ceremony that happens once a year. I think it's once a year again. Where, in fact, if you look at, um, it was in, it's, that's why if you look at, read Leviticus 16, it talks about this actual scapegoat process. Um, I'll read it here. So, and when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meetings and the altar, this is the day of atonement still, he shall present a live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head. So the sort of thing was happening. He's laying his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, and all their transgressions and all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat, and then send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear see that you hear the same language you're hearing in Isaiah. The goat shall bear all the iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let go free, get, let the goat go free in the wilderness. So once a year, sins, these were sins that were not atoned for through the normal process, were then put on, and ceremony said, we're laying, the priest is laying all the sins through his hands unto this goat and sending the goat.
1: Greg, what A verse week? was that that you're reading out of? 16. 15. what? 16, 18, 20 through
0: 20, 20. 22. Oh, 20 through 22, okay. Yeah. So what you have here is language of how Jesus is ultimately, one of the things he does in his atonement, of what he does to atonement, is he becomes, if you guys ever thought about this, Jesus becomes the scapegoat. Oh. Uh, He's all good it right. wrapped in one. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Okay, now here's what's fascinating it is the escape what happens is this goat is sent out into the wilderness. It's sent away from the um tent and meetings, it's sent away from where all the people are, where the, where they all live, right? During the time of the temple, the scapegoat was sent. So you had you had a and they changed over top. And you have a, a um, wall. gate, a wall. Thank you. You have the wall that goes around the city of Jerusalem. All right, which is still there that you can see a lot that wall. During the times when you, they were there with the temple. That scapegoat, that process, the scapegoat would be sent outside the walls of the city into the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Okay. How was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross like that?
3: Outside the city.
0: Yep. Where? Uh, I guess there are a few places, but it's beyond, it's by law, you would have to execute outside. That is, that's right. Gold cuts off. So where you can actually go to where they're pretty darn sure this is where Jesus was crucified. It's an actual building and now there's a whole structure around this whole thing. We can actually go to the rock mm. that they believe was. So Jesus was crucified on a rock. Mm-hmm. Okay, huge rock. Did you remember right. that spot? Yes, I did. did yeah. You? But it's weird because you're <laughs> underground <laughs> because oh. everything's been built on top. Of course. But you think you're in the walls of, you feel like you're in the old town of old Jerusalem. But when you look at a map, you actually are not. You are outside what was the walls of the city at that time.
1: Mm.
0: So the cross and the crucifixions happened outside the city wall. Mm-hmm. So Jesus being taken out through his whole the whole process, you know, the, what's that, the... Uh, Okay. La Rosa. yeah thank you okay that whole process of him with the cross and he's taking he's going down and finally gets to the place where he's going exactly. to that is outside the gates of the city he actually is becoming scapegoat. a scapegoat at this point as
1: he's put onto a cross
0: no one really realizing that at this point i
1: doubt though the old scapegoat they wanted to ever see again yeah you want to see doubt- jesus right 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 so it's kind of an interesting. Yeah. Thing. And those who believed, I guess, put it on the scapegoat. And those who did not kill Jesus, right? So
0: yeah. It's and I just kind of a different. Right. And I don't even. I mean, at what point anybody even realized, yeah. even the disciples and everything realized, finally that, wow, what mm-hmm. Jesus is doing on the cross outside the gates. Yeah. And the,
3: the timing of it the... matches here. What yeah. day was it? It was Ooh. Passover.
0: Yeah, Passover. Oh, yeah, Passover. Right. Well, Passover, which would have been, which I think was Friday, which was Friday night, if I'm right. Right. Passover starts at 6 p.m. Friday night into Saturday, and he would have been crucified probably sometime like after 6 p.m. is when he would have died on the cross. Hmm. Um, he's then you have the three days. You <laughs> try to figure that out. Yeah. he, so he just bundles all of it. Right. But you just. I, don't, I look at this and I'm just go. You just see how majestic God is in putting in His Word all the stuff. You go back to the fulfillment you see just being played out here. It's like a plan. Like here's Isaiah writing yes, this, not ever like, realizing. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: he,
2: yeah. He, uh, with, uh, what's the new gentleman's name? <clears throat> what's that? What's the, new, what's the new old what's your name? Brian. Brian, sorry buddy. Which you, which you just mentioned there, he, he was the scapegoat for oh, everyone. They didn't, whether they believed or not. That, right, for yeah. what we're reading. You know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. And, yes. know, taking a step back, that's what is interesting about this. Uh, he was sprinkled on many nations, not all nations. So there's some, why would that not be all nations? Well, you're going to see some language here,
0: you going <coughs> to see that use more. He bore the sin of many, makes yeah. intercession for the transgressors.
1: Yeah.
0: Without me doing a lot of studying there, I would argue that that really means all. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's trying to yeah. be selective necessarily. I think that's just the way the language is. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And, and I'm coming in late here, but you know what's weird to me is just looking at the text, the, you know, verse 14, it says, As many were astonished by you, it, in this whole passage you have selected, it's the only time that it points to you, and everything else is about He or describing Him. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's an odd. I don't know if you covered that last week. No, I haven't of, really. And th- There's a lot,
0: that's what I was saying at the beginning here, there's a lot of the switch. We're going to look at some of this, and yeah. maybe we'll probably next week when Previous we look at to, the switching between, like, there's the idea of Jesus being a substitute, and it's sort of switching. Right. Um, but it is a little bit, it does cause people translating and studying this to go, right. <laughs> you know, you, right. him, who.
2: Because, you know, because God's teaching us the, the way eternal time works. That it's not only you, him, who, who am I addressing, but at what period am I addressing?
0: Yeah, and oh, oh, it all, again, all the stuff is sort of like, ultimately it's the cloud that Paul talks about. We yeah. see darkly, right. and we're just starting to see all gets on. That's good. That's good you pointed that out. Good, Brian. Um, Alright, so just moving on through, I want you to just pick up a couple other things here. So notice in verse 10, you hear again this idea of the offering for guilt. Um, so in verse 10, it says, Yet thought, this is 53.10, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. Here you have sort of a direct reference that he is this is going to do is make an offering for guilt. Mm -hmm. That word for guilt there is uh, that offering for guilt is a word called a psalm, which is also a fairly, uh, one that's used in different Levitical passages. I'm going to point out a little bit more in a second with that. Then you notice in verse 11, once again, you end, he shall bear their iniquities. Um, So you just have, we go back to Levitical passages, you just have this language that just keeps Referencing things that sound sacrificial, all right? That somehow this servant is going to what? Be a sacrifice? Make a sacrifice? Is a sacrifice? I think them idiots really, that would just go, "What the heck are we talking about?" When
2: when he says, "When his soul makes an offering for guilt," so it's more than just his body; it's his soul. It's his whole,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. It's his whole, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's, again, why you see Isaiah 53 just starts really capturing this whole idea of what and who is Jesus. What did he ultimately do on the cross?
2: That's a, it's a really okay. good point.
0: The way? Anything less than complete wouldn't Beers. be
2: adequate. Yeah. Huge. That's a really big. Point. What are you saying, Anything less than
0: complete wouldn't be adequate. Right. <laughs> and we learn in Hebrews, ultimately. Hebrews is one of the big places. When we went to Hebrews, remember those guys? We went to the... Book of Hebrews, where all this is said, sort of takes all the sacrificial language and says, It was Jesus, he was the one, he is now your great high priest. He has done all this, he's finished. Once for all, once for all, once for all, once for all. He's well, done everything. An earthquake and darkness and everything else. Yeah. Well, so yeah. what's fascinating there is remember Matt I think it's Matthew? So when Jesus dies on the cross, Something you could miss, because it's just one sentence, in I think it's Matthew, where does anybody know what happens when Jesus died on the cross? What happens in the temple? The veil. The veil. The curtain is torn top to bottom. Yeah, that's to right. Bar. What you don't know is that curtain is like... It's 18 inches thick. Yes. 18 yeah. inches thick. <laughs> I mean... How would that occur? Completely impossible. <laughs> it's it's out what it is. Only God. It's supposed to be impenetrable to light. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's really? the holy of holies. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and when Jesus dies on the cross, just I mean, it's just, there's not a better symbol of what God did, what Jesus cool. did on the cross. Yeah. Talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. All right. All right. Let's finish one last more up. Okay, is verse twelve? I want to start finish with this because um, can you can you go yes. make a giant leap there? Uh huh. Since the veil was split,
2: yes, didn't that give access then to mankind then
0: to the mercy seat? Places? That's exactly what. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the problem was that the mercy seat wasn't there at that time. No.
2: <laughs> right. Okay. Like
1: you
0: if you watch Indiana it's, Jones it's, it's, and the it's, Last it's, Crusade, it's, it's you know where it is. Yeah. It's sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 kind of of my favorite movies. Still my favorite movie. All
2: will talk to you Did you? you so, know how the the, 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 uh, the temple ultimately was destroyed? It's a fascinating little...
0: little, You mean when the Romans came in and destroyed everything? Yeah, but... uh, In 70 AD? But the detail of that... Yeah, I don't know if I know the detail of that.
2: So they were in a stalemate, and the the Romans kept penetrating, penetrating. Now they were like everyone, and there were different factions of Jews within Jerusalem that had their own kind of camps around different walls. Now they were coming to the temple, all the Jews gathered around to try to, to block them, right? So the, the battle's raging on. The Roman commander told everyone to stand down because the Jews had really pushed forward. And prior to that, they had tunneled underneath. All this stuff had collapsed before the temple. There was like, you could barely get to it at that point. But the Roman soldiers, who had been just suffering through this thing for way too long and were really ready to get it over with, just wanted to end. They knew if they could take the temple down, they'd end this thing, Right. So one guy broke orders, took a torch, leaped, leapt over all this rubble and stuff, and just charged it through, and was managed to throw a torch into the, Holies of Holy, the Holy of Holies and get the curtain aflame.
0: Oh, uh, and that was
2: that. Uh, yeah, yeah. One guy that broke orders, and that was it.
0: And then the Jews were, and then all the... Well, yeah, and then they like that. never make sacrifices at What? Yeah, yeah. But Jesus it's predicted true. would happen.
1: <laughs> so. Matthew twenty-seven fifty. Yeah. 15. Okay, can you, you wanna read that? I could. Yeah, read that. This is about the curtain, no, right? I'll start on 50, but Jesus cried out again, and with a loud voice gave up his spirit. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth and the rocks were split. Yeah. He goes on to talk about other spirits being released. And yeah. all it, right.
2: the references of purification through fire. Yeah.
0: Two. yeah. Two. Okay, last one, then we're going to close off on this. So, notice on verse 12, very last verse of, this, of Isaiah 53 Therefore, I would divide him a portion with many, we'll look at some of the stuff later on, and shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. We'll talk about that. That's going to get to some of the substitution. stuff we're talking about Yet, he bore the sin of many, and makes intercessions for the transgressors. That, uh, That word there, yet he bore the sin of many. Okay, you again think he took upon that sin. But this word for bore there, Actually starts to be used in a different way. All right. So if you look at so Bill Micah, I'm doing this right.
1: Micah
0: 7:18. I want you to watch what happens here because this language that he bore the sin of many. When that bearing, that word is used with a Lord where God is doing that, the word changes its meaning. Okay? And I want to hear, have you hear S- what you Same say. Hebrew name or word? NASA? I think, this is, I think, yeah, this is NASA. Right, okay?
1: So Micah this 70. word,
0: when used in the terms of God doing it, changes the meaning. So go ahead and
1: read Micah. <clears throat> 7.18. Yeah, go ahead and read them. see it. Um, yeah. Who is a God like you, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever, because he delights in the faithful love. Okay, I want you to read the first sentence again. Who is a God like you, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of all of his inheritance? <clears throat> okay. So the word NASA is in that sentence.
0: Which one do you think it is? So here he bears, bore the sin of many. He bears our inequities. I'm just giving you sort of a hint. Listen to this again where, what do you think now that word means?
1: Bore. Yes. Passover. Oh go ahead and read it again. Yeah. Who is a God like you, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance? Okay.
0: So, here we talk about bearing the iniquities. What is the word used in front of iniquities here? It's forgiven. It's forgiven. So, what ends up happening is this word NASA ends up being used later that when God is the one who does it... When God NASA's iniquities, it's no longer just burying the iniquity. It is forgiving forgiving the iniquity. He takes upon himself and he forgives it. Is that a bad translation? No, it's not a bad translation. It's a good translation. In fact, there's other places like Psalms. It's how, it's where, when God is the one doing the action, the subject... Doing the forgiving, doing the bearing, it becomes forgiveness. <laughs> I'm sort of it weird. It makes sense. Okay. So it's like the priests are taking upon, mostly they're talking about we're, we're taking upon the iniquities of the people and we're giving it to God. What's fascinating is that word starts to change some to where now when God, if I'm getting this right, when God is doing it, he's not just, it's not just a taking upon something. It is then a forgiving of that sin.
1: Yeah. Well, so,
0: as the, it's bared, it's forgiven. As it's taken upon, it's forgiven. Does that, am I making sense, Sarah?
1: Yeah.
0: So, you end up having at the very end of, of Isaiah 53 here, you have Jesus, which we know is ultimately Jesus, who bears the sin of many. But ultimately what we know that that bearing of that sin does is ultimately the forgiveness of that sin. Because the servant, why? This is the trick. The servant is God. (laughs) So where it's the one taking a pun, bearing it, all of a sudden the one who's doing that, the servant, is God himself. Which means what ends up happening? The sins are
1: I think of amazing. Amazing.
0: <laughs> okay, it just yeah. <clears throat> now, one last thing I have not told you that's fascinating in Isaiah fifty three. That word NASA was used somewhere else. So it Isaiah fifty three ends with the word NASA. Okay, which we just said ultimately can sort of mean forgiveness that word is actually at the very beginning of our Isaiah passage so once you guys to go so what is what is our passage behold servant my act servant, servant, servant shall, shall act wisely yeah. shall act wisely he shall be high <laughs> and lifted up uh-huh. and shall be exalted uh-huh. One of those words Beautiful. is NASA. <laughs> hmm. Exact same Hebrew word that's used later on for bearing and ultimately the end. Anybody want to... <laughs> it's... Which of those words is NASA? Exalted? It's to lift up. What? It's to lift up. It's to lift up. Exactly. <laughs> keeps like thinking there. So you think of Isaiah 52:13 13 that starts all this. Remember I said 52:13 is like a summary statement for the, the whole thing that's going to happen? So what you end up finding out as we talked about on the, on our the first day is what's, what is it about Jesus? He, because he is the servant and does what God, as a son, is obedient. God lifts him up. Alright. But for Jesus to be lifted up, NASA, okay, he ends up having to bear and lay down his life. So it's like you see this switch that through the bearing, the NASA of laying down, taking it upon all the sins of the people, laying down his life, he ultimately becomes NASA being lifted up. It's just, does that make sense? <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah. It's like, <laughs> That's something for you guys to think is about. He,
3: God and, is lifting him up and he's lifting everyone else up? Look, he's everything.
0: lifted, but he's lifted up, right? Yeah, God is lifting So, him. it's like you see this idea, this is Philippians 2, this is the whole, it's called the V. the whole transformation that all, the, the irony is for it to be, and this is what we see, what's, all through Isaiah, what have we seen? Man keeps trying to lift himself up. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God says no.
2: No.
0: Right. And if you try to lift yourself up, God's going to push He's you down. down. But Jesus, the one who is obedient, mm-hmm. the servant, is lifted up. But how is he lifted up? By ultimately laying down his life and bearing upon, as we saw, him. bear, 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 bore, bore in iniquities, bear in the iniquities. All this is happening through Isaiah 53. And the the interesting part is the very end. Remember, inclusio, The end here goes back to the beginning. That ultimately, why was he lifted up? Because he ultimately laid his life down. Does that make sense? And that's
1: what we've got to do. Yeah. Well, then you get lifted up. Right.
0: Just lay down. But who lifts you up? God. All they got.
2: Well, but that, that requires us to look at the way we're
0: thinking about the term lifted up. Right, right. Well, that's what's interesting here is Notice how it's translated lifted up. It is the exact same word NASA, but it's translated lifted up here because ultimately it becomes the thing that is laid down, which ultimately becomes God forgiving us all. When yeah, we prove that are. forgiveness,
1: ultimately Jesus is the one that gets lifted up. In the New Testament, you test each got to bear your own cross and die to yourself. Die, right. Die to right. Something. And then you will be
0: forgiven. Yes.
1: Say, you, will be lifted
0: up. you will be lifted up. Yeah, anyway, you guys can just start meditating back in the week. That's a good one. Just think about it. Okay. Alright. I'm going to end by closing with the, with the passage in Hebrew that reflects the very last statement of Isaiah 53, which is, Yet he bore Nasa the sin of many, and what makes intercessions for the transgressors? Who are the transgressors? Uh, uh, we do. <laughs> What does Christ do now? Why is he making intercession for the transgressors? Because he today is our great high priest. And this is what it says. It says, since then, this is Hebrews, since then you have a great high priest. So this is all actually the fulfillment in Hebrews of what we just read there, which is that he makes intercessions. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. What have we been reading about in Isaiah 53? He went through everything. every single pain. Everything possible. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence listen to the language of Hebrews. Listen to the temple language. Let us then with confidence draw nearer to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. That's what Christ does for us today. He actively is that great high priest because of what happened in Isaiah 53 who is the one who takes upon all of our stuff and we can Told me everything. Because he's going to do everything. <laughs> and he's sitting up there taking all that. That's why prayer is so powerful. We literally are talking to the living God that went through Isaiah
1: 53 listening to us today. Yeah, so. yeah, that's, that's the amazing thing is that he went through that and he's still listening. Yeah. Right? It's like, really? You're going to mm. keep
0: doing this, guys? Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right, well, Father, we just thank you for this evening. Just um,
1: yes. <laughs>
0: a lot to just even try to grasp, which is probably beyond our human comprehension, fully to grasp what you have done on the cross. And what you did in Isaiah 53 is just giving us a peek <clears> at <throat> Father, I just pray that all of us can know that we can come to you today through that curtain that has been torn. That we have full access. That the very presence of God that that 18 inches of curtain was separating from symbolically back then. That that torn curtain is that presence of God, not out there, but that presence of God who lives in us today. The presence of God who rose Jesus from the dead. Lord, help us to just know what you have done for us and to respond in the only way we can which is to be obedient to you, Lord, and rely totally on your grace and mercy in our lives. In Jesus' name,
1: Amen. Yes. amen. amen.